Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark and Tyler Griever are out here at Jim Patterson Stadium. They're cleaning it up, uh, getting it ready, getting it presentable for tomorrow, 3 o'clock, opening day, first pitch. It'll be on 970, our partners at 970 a.m. Uh, we'll have the Saturday game uh, at 1 p.m. on 93.9, uh, and then on Sunday at 1 p.m., uh, we'll have uh, – it'll be on 970 again. Free admission here for all of those. Uh, so come on out here. Uh, it's look. It's Dan McDonald. It's hard to believe he's been here 17 years uh, already. It's nuts. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's one of those deals where you actually have to go and and look at the numbers and the, and the the stats of what Dan has done here to fully realize that like you know Louisville baseball is is one of the elite college baseball programs in the country. Not only for the rate at which they've won here, but at the rate to which they have put guys yes. in majors yep. and successful players. One of the, I think this is a new addition here that they had. Uh, the names are escaping me right now off the top of my head, but two World Series champions. Uh, yeah. I think Adam Adam, Adam Duvall, Duvall and yeah. uh, Will Smith. Yes, there it is. I got to be better about that. But they're posted out here. I don't think that was here before, but there are reminders of that all around the park, the only thing they haven't done here is, is win it all. And, and that's pretty hard to do, obviously. But it, actually, in college baseball, it's one of the hardest, I think, to win, period, with, with the way it's set up, which makes Omaha such an awesome experience. Uh, but last year, just to kind of set the table for a minute, you know, they had to get back to what they're used to because they had a blip of missing the tournament, and it was such a, a theme of, like, resetting the standard here, which, look, folks, Omaha's expected at a place like this. You look out at the outfield wall, and there's the five appearances in the College World Series. Their team meeting room here is the Omaha Room, which has a picture of the stadium and, and the greatest show on dirt. Everything in here in this complex is geared towards getting to Omaha. That's what they expect. But last year, they just needed to get back in the tournament, for goodness sakes. And I think they surprised some people in getting to a Super Regional in College Station and ended up falling out. Uh, so kind of reshifting that focus now back to what they're used to and truly being a national title contender. Uh, they're ranked top 10, top 15, top 5. Yep. Ba- baseball has too many polls. They need to combine well, it all. You know what? It's just like, like with quarterbacks. If you have a lot of polls, oh you don't have any polls. It's you so don't have ridiculous. a definitive one, right? Like, or just combine them all into yeah. like one thing and like average it out. I don't know. It's way too many. I don't even know which one to reference. The composite the rankings. Yeah, there you go. The composites could could do something. Yes, but now this season should get back to where you're used to. And and when Dan talked to this last week, I think he thinks he has a very versatile team. He has guys who could do multiple things. He has pitchers who could be either guys who come in relief or be starters. So there's going to be a lot of hashing that out in the beginning of the year to try and fully see what they can be. Uh, but there's a lot of talent to work with. There's no questioning that. All right, 8150 that's the number if you want to get in here. 3831-939 for the UPS Jobs text line. Some good pub 
uh, for Jeff Brom, who has done nothing short of just sort of pile up some good pubs since he's come back uh, to Louisville. Interesting note from Bruce Feldman today. Uh, A&M, I think when we think of modern college football, both in terms of um, lavish spending, how about that? Yeah. Uh, opulence, in terms of we will, as Bob would say, money whip our way to being good. Uh, A and M is kind of who I think of in Miami. Those are the two that I really think of as saying like, "Oh, well, we can fix all of our problems and our yeah. perennial underachievement now by just spending lots of money." Yeah, uh, and it hasn't totally worked out yet. But uh, having hired Bobby Petrino to be the offensive coordinator under uh, Jimbo Fisher now, uh, Bruce Feldman reporting that Louisville or that A and M has made multiple overtures to try and get Garrick McGee. to Garrick. Yeah, to Garrick yeah. McGee, who has come back now to join. Uh, Jeff's staff, you'll recall, of course, that he's been with Jeff at Purdue, uh, and he was here at the early Lamar Jackson uh, tenure uh, yeah. as well. So, And he has worked with Bobby in multiple places, left a head coaching job at UAB to come here uh, and work with, uh, with Bobby uh, at the time. Turned down those overtures, uh, and yeah. we'll, we'll talk uh, about that because that is a, an absolutely fascinating uh, sign uh, that, that they were able to pull that uh, pull that off here. We're out here at Jim Patterson Stadium because ba- uh, baseball season is starting tomorrow, uh, and we are joined by JT Benson. He joins us here. JT, thank so, you for uh, for joining us here. Uh, how agonizing! I was just waiting for the season to finally get oh, here, yeah. man. Absolutely. Like the the preseason workouts, that sort of thing. Like eventually, you get like enough of this, right? Oh, absolutely. But competition's good all fall, all spring, and you know we've been preparing for this, so we're excited. Tell me about that. Like competition in the off season. Like, what's that like for you guys? Yeah, well, honestly, we always go back to the Omaha Challenge, you know. So it's a uh, it's a two team. Uh, type of deal and you just compete with your teammates and then honestly with scrimmages in the spring and the fall it's just we take it serious right and yeah we're having fun we're competing against the guys but you know we're all got we're all trying to earn a spot um so it's very very competitive and it's very fun so for as long as as uh, dan mcdonald's been here I've, I've, it seems like there's always like one theme or, or you know, a, a phrase a saying right. something yes, uh, it, almost every single year going into a season has there been one this year like what's sort of the, the common refrain heading into this season yes sir uh, so do it now you okay know, that's that's, that's okay. the phrase this year Dr. Said it to my kids oh yeah <laughs> right uh, do it now so you know don't wait don't wait for uh, someone else to do it don't wait for uh, later on the season oh yeah now we're going to turn it on we're going to do it now we're going to do it in practice we're going to take practice you know serious we're going to take practice like it's a game right so we're game speed the whole time um, but especially in the games you know we're we're, we're uh, refusing to lose that's another one if Luke Hancock was listening he'd run like he, he's celebrating like he's <laughs> cheering this is all he talks about it's right. like practice it's, like, it's yeah. all about practice everything you yeah. see in the game it's all about uh, oh, practice yeah. I mean we're talking competition every single little thing every day every day um, coach Mag honestly said today he was like I don't think anyone loves practice as much as I do but we were sitting there like you know <laughs> we're in it every single day like we right. we love it too so that's great so it sounds like in terms of like, talking about goals and, and what you want to accomplish like mm-hmm. there's no shying away from yeah we want the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're coming for it all. Yes, sir. How last season, I know you've sort of dealt with injuries, you mm-hmm. know, in the past. It was bad luck, really. Yes, uh, how are you feeling now? And so maybe what you learned from kind of the rehab process from all that? Oh, yeah. It's definitely adversity hit me last year. And sure. it was one of those things where I didn't see it coming. And then when I came back and got, got literally, going, right? Yeah. Literally, right. Yeah. Came back. And then uh, from there on, it was like, no way it's going to happen again. And then it did happen again. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, this team's always been here for me. Like, it's time to be here for them. Coach Mack brought me to uh, Texas with them. He let me be a part of the team. So being able to see that and not experience it uh, on the field but with the team, I was like, oh, like, I'm ready for next year. And then obviously this year's coming. I'm just like, wow, like, I'm glad it's here. So, uh, in ter- uh, One of the things I always love to sort of ask, especially guys that have been around a couple of years, is sort of, New guys that maybe like that sort of catch your eye. You're like, right. oh, all right, I see it. All right, all right. Uh, we definitely have some freshmen, standout freshmen. Um, Justin West, uh, he came in early last year. He was able to, you know, be a part of the team um, to, from December to the sp- throughout the spring. Um, so seeing him step up, that's that's exciting. And then Patrick Forbes from, you know, he's a Kentucky kid, like just like Justin, and uh, he's he's really turned it on and he's he's been playing well. But he's he's one of the guys. Both of those guys, you know, they. They're not playing for themselves. They're playing for this team, and I'm so, so happy to be a part of that too. One of the cool things about Dan having been here for so long, I can't believe he's been 17 years we're talking about. Right. It's unbelievable yeah. we're talking about that. But is now, literally, like there are seniors in high school, like Dan's the only thing they know. Right. Like he's the only thing that's been here. Like did you, did you grow up like – 
Yeah, I want to play for Louisville and Grub. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, I got. I actually have a picture. Um, I'm going to bring in this year, but it's. I think I was seven years old, um, and it's me sitting on Coach Snack's knee, and it's. Uh, I'll have to bring. You won't leave that now. Oh uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, but uh, and I used to come to the camps growing up. I'm just like, wow, like this, this is this program, but 20 minutes up the road for me. Yeah. So I'm, my parents obviously, um, thankfully, brought me up and go to the camps, and it's awesome that he's been here the whole time. So. Yes, sir. Well, JT, appreciate you just yes, sitting sir. down Absolutely. with us for a little bit, Absolutely. man. Thank, Thank you so much. Good time. luck this season, yes, man. Thank you, Thank you uh, Thank so you. much here. The players love this stuff. Uh, again, Luke's probably going to call. He'll probably drive down here. If he heard that soundbite about practice, that's JT Benson uh, this season. Uh, you would not know, looking at that guy, that injury have been any kind of an issue. I wish uh, I wish I looked like that when I was 22. Yeah. No, I wish I you know, even looked close to that right now, to be honest. Yes, I, mean, I, would, I would settle for it right now, too. I would take that. But uh, the note about uh, – you know he's an Oldham, uh, which yeah. which Oldham, South Oldham, I, South, Oldham uh, South Oldham, yeah. I think it's a great note to yep. uh, to notice. Like if if you're a top baseball guy, not only in Louisville but just in this area, you have a pretty strong program in your backyard. Yeah, you know to to play for and and not only play for. I think the biggest thing for that, especially in this day and age, is like, all right, yeah, I want to win at this level, but like, can you get me to the next level? Can you get me to produce and be a productive MLB player? And Dan talks about this all the time. He always views this program as a developmental program. Like, that's the thing that they take pride in above anything else is taking guys who, yeah, they're talented when they get here, but even getting more out of them and turning them into legitimate pro prospects. And also, you look at what they've done at the, the catcher position the past couple they're of years. They're almost like, it's like, you know, wide receiver you and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know. they have another one. That, you know, Jack Payton's a great player. But you had uh, Dalton rushing last year who split time with Jack, and, and both of them were good, and Jack was uh, DHing a lot. And then, of course, you had uh, Henry Davis right. the year before, number one pick in the draft, first in, in Louisville history. So, And that's not an easy position to develop not just great defensive players, but like if you have a great offensive catcher, yeah. that's a rarity in baseball because it is such a demanding position. So, uh, no, to, to hear a local kid talk like that about growing up with Louisville – and knowing that it's a legit option for him, I think, is a really cool part of it. I think one of the things you love, Jeff does this, Jeff Walls, Dan McDonald. Like, they're not the least bit afraid to talk about, no, I, w- I would like to win everything. Oh, yeah. I, you know, we're, we're going to practice when, it's, when the field is frozen over, and all we're going to talk about is Omaha. Yep. Like we're, not, we're not here to sort of settle for anything in, in between. And to hear him talking about the intensity in practice, it's the very thing that Luke has, I think, sort of uh, – been concerned about uh in terms of the players not viewing practice yeah as the the place where you work all of this out so that the games are nothing i i can't help but compare jeff and dan even beyond that in a way because they are the guys who not only here but i think they're viewed this way in the in the respective realm of the sports they coach as guys who have literally accomplished everything except win a national championship And sometimes that gets held against you in ways that I think are unfair because sure. it's people don't fully grasp how hard it is to do that. And Jeff has, you know, been very vocal about this sure. before, but it's particularly last year after they lost to South Carolina. Yeah. You gotta catch the breaks, man. Like you gotta have every team who has ever won a championship, I don't even care what sport we're talking about, even the best team you can think of, they had some luck along the way. It has to happen. Uh but you have to take stock of where the programs were before Jeff and Dan came in here. And Louisville women's basketball and Louisville baseball did not even sniff the level of success that they currently and repeatedly experience under those guys. You're talking about two of the best programs in the country in women's basketball and baseball. And I can't help but, you know, maybe it's because they're both good talkers too. I don't know. Dan and Jeff, like – you never have to worry about an interview with Dan and Jeff of like getting something of substance or an actually legitimate answer because most of those those guys are pretty good at it. But I can't help but compare their accomplishments and their track to getting here and sustain the success. It's it's very similar. Well, and what they also are, I think, is what people have prayed. And Howard was was sort of this, but I think you've wanted one one step further. That this their foundation layers. Oh yeah. You know, Louisville football has been plagued unfortunately by its own success really in that coaches have come 
had their success and left to go and, and have been launched onto other things. Right. And when what they have desperately needed is what Jeff and Dan are, which is I'm going to stay and I'm going to build this unbreakable brand new floor and lay all this groundwork to where the players like like JT just was grows up. Like I was coming to camps when I was seven, and I'm yeah. going to come play here. And and players basically. Every, just about every good baseball player that's kind of in the Midwest and north of here, not a lot of college options in terms of like really good college baseball programs. Right. Big Ten programs aren't that great. And, and Dan's like, I'm right here. And, and pick of the litter does such a great job and just establishes a way of doing things that you never go below it again. People have been dying for football to have that guy and have him stay and have him be worth keeping. Yeah, because it's been one or the other guy yeah. that won't stay or a guy that you can't stand. Well, that that's ties into like people. I think some maybe from outside of Louisville are like, yeah, Jeff Brom's a good coach. But like, why? Why is everybody so jazzed about like, why is the hype this much? It's because of the potential of it. It's because and, and I've talked to I think I said this exact thing to you on the day Jeff was introduced. The best case for Jeff being here is he is a guy, the only guy, I would make this argument, maybe the only guy in the country who views this as like, nah, this is a destination gig for me. Like, I, the only thing I would really leave this job for, and, and granted, we live in a totally different era of college athletics where it is so unpredictable that like I could look stupid as all get out for saying this. Trust me. But if there is a guy who was only going to maybe leave Louisville for like a lucrative NFL job or something, which I don't think you can really blame guys for leaving for in this day and age, it's Jeff Brom. Like that, that's what it is. And, and the way he talks and the things that he wants to build, you know, that is what you're getting at of yeah. like of what that program has needed and what other programs here have had. Like when Dan McDonald's done here, something in this ballpark, I don't know where, is going to get named after him. It, I, I would think it will. Uh, same thing whenever Jeff decides he's done with the women's program, something of, of like a court, a building, something's going to get that name. And it should because they've had the success in the track record to do it. That's where Jeff Brom or a goal, you, he's never going to be Howard Schnellberger, and he would never say he's going to be that. But it's no coincidence. Well, and he doesn't have the work that that Howard did. Howard came no. to, to nothing. But I think the visions right. are in the same category, yeah. if that makes yeah. sense. Like seeing something that maybe a lot of people don't, you get it and you want to do it. That's what we're talking about here. Well, and that's why when I brought up before we had JT uh, on, you know, Garrick McGee is like, no, I'm going to stay at Louisville. And not go to A&M. And not go the, to A&M. For the oil money. Yeah, yeah. For, the, for, for crazy amounts of money. Right. Uh, and the truth is, like, what else truly? Like, I, I, would, I would understand, I think, the temptation to – I mean, they're going to have their pick of the litter recruit-wise. Yeah. No question. Yeah. But you also have to work for Bobby Petrino. Yeah, and that's and, and not nobody a... knows what that is like more than Garrick McGee, uh, and I I'm I don't think Bobby's reputation among other coaches has changed. You know, one of his biggest unravelings at the end of his tenure here was he had burned through the coaching profession. Oh yeah, and in particular, I think Todd Grantham was like the last one because Todd Grantham is crazy, but coaches love Todd Grantham. Other coaches. By and large, love the guy, and when he, you're on the bad side of him, coach is like, "Well, then I don't. I'm not working for that dude, right?" And and Bobby was sort of out of people to come in and, and help, and he's always needed. He's he is an evil genius, both words equally, and he is needed offsetting on the staffs, and he was not able to do that by the end uh, of the, of his tenure. And Garrick McGee's like, "I ain't going back there," and it's good pub for Jeff. How much would you pay? to listen to the interview between Jimbo and Bobby gauging Bobby's interest in coming to Texas A&M. I would love to like get a transcript of that or like a, a recording of it just to hear both of them discuss this possibility of him going there in what I think could possibly be the most toxic coaching staff in the country. Oh, I think that that is I think is unquestionably true. Like the track record but I just, of all involved. I think more than anything else, like the the humor of the the contrast in styles. Jim, you know, Jimbo's the micro machines guy, a hundred thousand miles an hour in terms of talking about it. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I I was convinced by the time the Bible was finished here that he talked the way that he did, so you just didn't want to ask him any more questions. Calculated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean like that. that. And so, however that interview would have gone, I would have it would have been 
the highest of comedies. I, it's, and listening to Jimbo talk is just a comedy within itself. That's true. Trying to keep up. Yeah. I, I, God, I'll never forget the Saban thing. I, I'll never just get it out of my Last head bread. with him. I feel like it was so just. Slash bread. We never see that. The narcissist in <laughs> we just never see that. It happened last year. It was an somehow, event. It felt like a pay-per-view event. Sliced narcissist into one-ish syllables. And then you want to, you know, oh, man, they're going to talk about it. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it a lot. He just called the greatest coach of all time a narcissist and just put him on blast. Texas has A&M. The A&M in Texas A&M stands for anger management. Probably, yeah. That, man, that, that program is, whew. This guy, By the I way, mean, Texas says maybe he didn't want to live in Crazy Town. You do also have to live in Texas A&M and College Station. Yeah, College Station is not exactly uh, an other universe. It's not that. Yeah, I've been there. I did one one game there. Yeah, I covered a game there once. Great atmosphere. Kyle Field is is a cool place, but it's strange. And then you got to try and explain away the uh, the yell people or whatever they are, the yell leaders and the little midnight thing they do where they make the corny jokes, kind of like open mic night. Yeah, it really is terrible. We need Bobby a midnight yell. Wow. Oh, oh, man. It's going to happen. Right. It's got to happen, right? Isn't that oh, like absolutely. a rite of passage or something when you start coaching there? That you got to. I hope so. Fire up the kids. I mean, the, there's, yell? there's nothing funny. Get on YouTube and find it. Bobby standing up there in the middle of the night calling the hogs when he got hired at Arkansas. I have not said that. Is the height of comedy. I mean, I try to. I don't know if I can say this respectfully. Actually, yeah, it's not respectful. There's no other fan base or school that comes off as more of a cult. The Texas A&M. Seriously, like uh, every, oh, that is true. the traditions, no one, the right. every like the attitudes, everything feels like a cult. The entire thing, and I, I Jimbo from the beginning to me was like, is that guy really gonna is he gonna fit that over there? Is that gonna work? I don't know. They threw a lot of money at him, and it's not working out. Like you got to think that I don't know what his buyout is off the top of my head, but if this year doesn't go well, he's done there, right? He's got to be. Like, wh- what is he standing on there to say? Oh no, I got this thing moving in the right direction, bro. You haven't had that thing moving in the right direction for the entire time you've been there, and yet you swindled an extension out of it. So good for you. But uh, they are the quintessential desperate people with money. Oh, yeah. And Jimbo saw them. Personified. Come. Absolutely. And, and they're classic, like, you know, they want to – them and Texas now being together in the SEC after one left to go to the SEC in part because I think they were tired of living in Texas's shadow in a way. It's going to be theater. I can't wait to watch that. And now we get to see it sooner than, you know, maybe not anticipated, but officially they'll both be in there in 2024, Texas and Oklahoma. Um, I remember you and I were talking – before the breakdown, they were on the whole conference thing. Like, what what is going on in the Pac-12 world on things? Like, while we're on the topic of just college athletics and college football and media rights, all that stuff. Like, do you want to talk about dumpster fires? The Pac-12 seems like an absolute yeah, we, we dumpster briefly fire. Briefly mentioned this yesterday, but it does appear that the Pac-12 is the first conference to head into a media rights negotiation and basically be told. We're good. Yeah. No one has ever experienced this. And I just listened to John Skipper, the former president of ESPN. He's on, in Meadowark with now. With Meadowark yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, with him and David Sampson, the former president of the Marlins, talking yeah, about kind yeah, of the yeah. sports media business. And, you know, David always talks from kind of the team side, and John always talks from the broadcast side. And he said explicitly, he's like, you know, Jim Delaney was the first guy to really figure it out, that the Big Ten really has no business making as much money as the SEC does. They don't draw, you know, and, and you can't sell them – quite nearly as much as the SEC, right. but but he was good at it. And they always were able to, you know, broker these deals that were just crazy. And now the base, I think broadcasters, uh, companies are starting to realize, streamers, everybody's starting to realize, like, there isn't a market in a, in a uh, an appetite for everyone. No, there isn't. And the Pac-12 is now like, all right, it's our turn. And people are like, we're full. We're good. Ends full. We don't and, need and it. And now we've got, what, uh, uh, CBS is out. Amazon's out. Uh, ESPN is only interested in one game per week, which is not good at all. I mean, it is a they That's are the equivalent of like what you're giving group of fives most of the time. I saw the joke yesterday; they're going to end up on Tubi, you know, <laughs> things like that. It's it's going to be it's. I joked you know, they're going to be on the little gas station screen, yeah. you know, like it's it's unfortunate, you know, for them. 
because there are still great programs there with great traditions. You know, I mean, it's not a barren cupboard in terms of what is left over to deal with. Uh, and in fact, like they, it's funny to say all of this and consider they have the program who got the hottest coach of the coaching carousel. Like people want to see what Colorado is going to look like with Deion Sanders. Who wouldn't want to see it? Like after all the recruiting they've done and what he did at Jackson State and such, the fact that and you you'll can... only be able to catch Dion's games on LimeWire now. <laughs> LimeWire—that's a like pull. That. There are probably people listening to this show who don't know what LimeWire is. Oh, that's if you're true. young enough, if you're of a demographic, you probably don't know what it is. Uh, you can look it up. We don't have time to educate you on it, but that's that's what's fascinating to me is like that's a cell you you have other cells within the conference and i told this to you during the break when we were kind of just talking about this the pac-12 should have been one of the first people ready to try something different like ready to throw something against the wall and see if it sticks because nothing they've done has worked in terms of the marketability of the conference and increasing uh exposure and revenue and such and it just seems like there is not any mobility towards any creativity or anything crazy to really make themselves stand out. Uh, and that's why when I think the Big 12 brought in Brett Ormark, who who is not a career college athletics person, uh, Big 12's in a much better position than the Pac-12. And honestly, for a conference that lost its two biggest cash cows, the SEC, I would actually make the argument that the Big 12 is looking like it's in a healthy place. I like what the Big 12 has now. I like the collection of schools it has. I like the cross sports. Yeah. It's not just a football conference or bas- I mean, Big 12 is the best basketball conference when in the country. They, like, compared to how I felt when they announced that OU and Texas were leaving, it looks pretty, pretty freaking good for them right now. And I never thought that uh, would be true. Yeah, and that's and uh, it's exactly right. Couldn't have put it any better. Like there was a time where you're like, even when Missouri left the Big 12, when that was when I was in school. You know, everybody was like, what is the Big 12 going to do one day? Like, this can't continue where it's just Texas and Oklahoma and everybody else. They finally arrived at a pretty decent answer to that. I think they are a sum of all parts now where they have a few elite brands. Like, Kansas basketball is an elite brand that can carry the conference. But it's an elite brand in the best basketball conference in the country right now. They have multiple great programs in there and programs that have gotten better in recent years. Um, and they have growth potential with other programs that are now going to be involved. Uh, I mean, goodness, Scott Satterfield is going to love the Big 12. You know? Like, he loves the opportunity there. Right. I said that specifically to piss a number of you off. The nightlife is really <laughs> The nightlife is what he got going off of that. Uh, I'm just playing. But, no, they're in a much better position now than I ever thought they were going to be losing the two biggest names they could have lost. 815-939. That's uh, the number if you would like to get in here. 3831 93.94, the UPS Jobs text. If you want to hit us up that way, uh, you can. We'll take a quick break here. We will come back. I want to go back to the Virginia game. There are a couple of things that we did not get into uh, from that game, but I, I did want to sort of pick at. Uh, in particular, a core four. Uh, seeing yeah. him zero minutes. So we'll talk about that. We'll take your calls, your text on the other side here on the drive on Ninth Thunderbolt. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it. But then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Tyler Griever out here at Jim Patterson Stadium ahead of tomorrow's uh, opening of the college baseball season here and everywhere else 
uh, around the country. Again, that game, first pitch tomorrow at 3. It'll be on our partners on 970. On uh, So we'll still be on tomorrow. It'll be on our partners at 970 at 3. Saturday, 1 o'clock, that'll be on 93 on the Ville. Sunday, our partners again at 970 on Sunday at 1. All three of those free admission. Uh, so come on out here and get a look at this team. Pretty much a consensus top 10 team. Uh, around the country, almost uh, no matter who you talk yeah. to, uh, a deep team, a super regional team that brings back a lot to work with. Yeah, some good young pieces. Dan feels good about it. Seventeen years, uh, the guy's been here. Uh, we talked uh, a little bit in well, we talked a lot in the first hour about the Virginia game being trying to be exactly appropriately encouraged by what we saw and no more, and then not trying to make it a victory. But one of the things that I thought was interesting about last night was the return of uh, Brandon Hunley Hatfield. Yeah. The starting lineup that did not feature Cindy Curry and not much Curry really at all uh, yeah. last night. And no Emmanuel Okorafor. And I, I have been an advocate. I wanted him literally in the starting lineup in the second game. We should pull up the sound of from Kenny on Okorafor not playing last night. Yeah, Spencer, I, can we? Uh, pull I thought it, it was kind of interesting um, because I, I get the reasoning, but I also don't think it's something you really hear too often about why a kid didn't play at all. I mean, there's like a matchup, there's a matchup thing, but I think this was bigger than, than a matchup thing. Go ahead, Spencer, play that. We did see uh, a few minutes from Brandon Huntley-Hatfield tonight, but uh, I am curious as to why we did not see any from uh, Emmanuel Okorafor tonight. I thought most of it had to do with them. It had to do with Virginia and the way they play. You know, they are really good. They, they're five men. They play on the perimeter a lot. They set screens. They cut. It's different. It's a different brand of basketball. And I just felt like it wouldn't really be fair to, to, to Emmanuel right now. Now, in the future, I want to see Brandon and Emmanuel on the court together. Same time, yeah. And I want to see us dominate the boards. And I want to see us set great screens. But I need Brandon to be the guy that can continue to space the floor. He has a tendency to gravitate toward the paint during the offensive set. I can't have that. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, you've got to be a five, and now I'm stuck with six, five, man. <laughs> yeah, so maybe a little more matchup-based than, than I saw before getting to the bite, but I think he it's a fair point to make in that Virginia is a unique challenge in, in modern just basketball in general, even beyond college basketball. And for a young man who hasn't been with the team very long and doesn't have a ton of college basketball experience, um, no matter who he was playing against, which what seems to be a, a rising pipeline for, for prospects out of the whole the NBA Africa setup, you want him to be a little bit more comfortable in whatever it is you're trying to do before playing a team like that. So the main thing was, okay, this is not a concern of, like, is something going wrong and he's getting benched for that. That doesn't seem like it. it's the case at all. It's, no, actually, I'd love to see him and Brandon together, which... Honestly, I don't think there's any way to hear that and not splice from it. That's probably not good for Sidney Curry in his minutes going forward. Yeah, the, that, that's the number the one person who gets impacted. The most interesting part of what he said there, exactly, is I'd like to play those two together. Yep. And I think when, when Kenny talks about, and he has begun to just sort of not hold back more and more about his dissatisfaction with effort level and Well, attention. I mean, how could you at this right, point, but, you know? But I, I think his he was committed to basically, like, I'm going to talk. My mom is like this. I'm just going <laughs> to talk nice until you be nice. Yeah, okay. And yeah. I think Kenny tried to be my mom to this team. And my mother is a terrible basketball coach. Is this the first time you've compared Kenny to your mother? Yes. Oh, wow. And probably Honor, the only Honored time. to be here for that. Probably really? the only time. Yeah. But, like, th that, my mom is like this. Like, she doesn't talk bad about people. And doesn't talk bad about what you're doing when it's bad. Yeah. And, and she just kind of believes you nice people their way into to not being bad anymore. Yeah. And I think he felt like that was the best way to approach a group that was kind of messed up in the head. Yeah. And it didn't work. And the first guy, he sort of was like, done with that, Sidney Curry. It's, we talked about Jalen Withers earlier, right? And some of the, what I think, and I think it's fair to say, some tangible progress or improvement we've seen from Jaywin, I think, in the last couple of weeks 
in terms of overall effort, even just going beyond the shooting. Well, I get the shooting. that The numbers speak to that. But I think he looks a little more engaged as a whole. I don't think you could say the same for Sid. Like, that light hasn't – he had a few nice plays last night, offensive rebounds, putbacks, where you're like, all right, maybe he's something – he's being challenged or, like, he realizes, wow, I'm, I'm not going to play unless I start doing this more. Um, but – it's been one of the weirdest things, I think, for this season with Kenny. It's like you have three captains. One of them you can't really afford to take out at any point. Even, I mean, frankly speaking, if L. Ellis, and, I, and look, I think L. obviously ha- isn't the best defender by any means. He has had to adjust to distributing more as opposed to being a scorer. But, like, even if he was completely checked out of doing any of that, they'd still have to put him out there on the court because he's the most talented player they have. And he's the best scorer that they have. There's no choice. You have to play him. But he at least has is giving an effort most games. But for a majority of this season, your two other captains were like, what's going on here? What Jalen said. And that's a huge problem where it's like, what do I do with this? How are you a team captain? But, like, I've got to bench you for long stretches because you're not doing what I asked you to do. It seems like something has maybe clicked there with Jalen. And look, I think it's too it's too late, obviously. It should have clicked sooner. But for Sid, I, I, I don't know what else to say about that at this point. But the other one we haven't mentioned at all, Russell Wheeler. Yeah, not, yeah. He's not a captain. Thing. Not a captain. But, but, right, like, but, but a big man who Okorafor has just blasted right past. Yeah. But oddly enough, this is the one time he has talked about kind of not playing Okorafor that I, I think I understood it as purely matchup-driven, saying what Virginia does, it's not, I don't think it was at all about skill level. Oh, it's all about their system. Yeah, I think he do. was what yeah. he was saying was this is unique, and it would hurt us for him to play because it would be extremely hard for a guy who just hasn't been here at all, like very long at all, yeah. to be ready for this one. I understood that. And, guys, guys, they had a chance to hit a three at the buzzer to tie the game. It was good calculus. Well, you don't want a guy out there taking live bullets in a situation and figuring out where they're coming from in real time. Well, and the minute he comes like, on the floor, UVA is running everything that way. Yeah. yeah. And so I, this one I don't think – I'm not that upset about it. However, I would still be – there's nothing to save about this year. Yeah, I agree and with you on I, that. I would yeah. say – I would – Kenny should, would be better served erring on the side of – giving us some future tracks to look at here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Okorafor, like, people are prepared for him to look lost but happy to be here and, and working really hard. Right. I just – I get it, but I, I would I would still throw him to the Wolves. Yeah, just let, and, him, just let him learn it. Because yep. he's so refreshing looking in terms of the energy level. Yeah. And he's not jaded. And I think his screens look better than – And he doesn't sulk. Yeah. Or any of that stuff, I would still play him. Uh, maybe Kenny's worried about him sort of getting broken by by, but uh, he can't be that fragile. I like a just get him out there. Thing. Yeah, just get him out there. Yeah, and I mean, look, we've talked about the youth movement thing before, and and I again, I think it was uh, back maybe after the Notre Dame loss where I was on the bandwagon of like, look, yeah. you need to just play the young guys at this point, like you know, Fabio, Devin. It's whatever. the only the only thing Kenny's got is is future looking. No, oh, I mean at yeah. this point. Absolutely. I think everything we're even talking about now, I, I'd weigh the development of Kamari Lands as something yeah. where you're like, that's encouraging. That's something yes, you latch totally. on to yes. and hopefully build towards next year. Um, I don't know what J.J.'s desires are when it comes to, to next season, if he wants to go elsewhere or whatever, but I, I'll stand on the stump. And I, I think J.J. Trainer honestly, is showing you that he really should have played more last year. To be frank, I, I don't know what it was, what the disconnect was between Chris and his staff and JJ in terms of what they wanted to do, but JJ finishes well around the rim. I he had nine points, nine rebounds last night. Will block some shots. His length is an asset. I think he still shoots a little too much from the outside, but as soon as I say that, he hit a pretty key three yeah. last night late, so he can hit the shot. I just think he takes it too often. Um, but I think he's someone who who Kenny should work to bring back and say, look, I'm not saying you're going to be like a star of this team, but you've shown that you can be a contributing, solid college basketball player if you focus on being a guy who is relentless around the rim. Use your length, use your athleticism to your advantage. 
Um, there are individual stories like that on this team. The problem is it didn't happen with the guys that they really needed it to happen yeah. for. And Sidney Curry leads that list. You needed to find you needed to find a way for the Sidney Curry we saw go monstar for yes. three or four game stretch towards the end of last year and sustain maybe not that level of production because it's a bit of an outlier, but somewhere close to it to be a double-double type of guy. And, and it's just it's not even just the fact that it hasn't happened, Mark. It's the fact that it hasn't even come close to happening. Like, I can't pick a game this year where it was like, you know, that really – there's like a play or two where you're like, that looks like the Sid yeah. that popped out last year, but it just hasn't been there for a whole game. No, so how do you keep doing it? How do you keep trotting it out? Well, he's not. Yeah, he does not. He didn't start last night. Uh, I don't have the minutes in front of me, but he didn't play a lot. He did. And, and, well, the thing with Curry not playing uh, last night and not not starting and not playing is oddly enough, in terms of just physicality, this was a place where he really would have had the one of his easier matchups. Some, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Virginia plays such small ball. Yeah. You know, he was not going to be matched up against a seven footer. Right. Uh, almost at all last night, and you know, as a, a slightly undersized guy who relies on kind of strength uh, and that sort of thing, this was tailor made for him. And he, they're like, no, we're going to bring the guy back from injury, and we're going to play JJ some minutes at the five. I really didn't think Brandon was going to play last night when he wasn't in in the early portion of the game, and then he came off the bench. And was like, all right, well, he's warmed up the past couple of games. I think he's practiced recently. He's looked ready to go. Um, and I'm not sitting here saying it's it's a huge impact because I think he has been a disappointment as well in, in some things people expected from him. But he'll have flashes where you're like, that's the physical presence that you expected of getting a former five-star recruit who has the, the tools that he has to use. Um, and look, I think him and Okorafor out there together is is promising from a respect. But we're also talking about two guys who haven't played a lot yeah. together out there, right. trying to figure it out. And I mean, practice is one thing, but they got to figure that out in real time. And like, who are you matching up with on a switch? Who who is going to control the block defensively, and who can stretch it a little bit while the other guy maybe works a little bit more down low? That's that's hard. And you heard Kenny say he doesn't want Brandon really stretching things out. He wants him to be a physical presence on the block. And I think Brandon at times has shown a penchant to I've said penchant like ten times today. I don't know why. That's the word of the day for you. I don't know why. Um, he'll step out to that corner into that wing to try and shoot. I think a, l- a little too often. It's like, nah, man, you need to be a big, strong presence down there. That that's what it is. 8150939. That's uh, the number if you'd like to get in here. For those of you who listen to the show, I love this. This is really great. Uh, texture says this If K- Kenny Payne is supposed to be the big man whisperer, maybe he's got a long term game plan for 34. I'm, I would like to remind everyone I, I never remember what anyone's number is. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Outside of Lamar Jackson, who's eight, and that is it. <laughs> so when the texter texted, I was like, I don't know who he's talking about. I had to go to the roster, <laughs> look up 34. And see that it was a core four. <laughs> it was a core four. And I, like, it was me. I'm saying this is about me, not the texter. The texter did nothing wrong. I don't remember anyone's numbers. I remember them. See that tall guy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Satterfield. <laughs> is that the tall one? <laughs> what a moment that was. That's funny, though, because coaches, that's all they remember. Yeah, and for size, like, is that the tall one? That's so good, man. Good luck with that, Cincinnati. <laughs> I feel like we find a way to work him back in sometimes. I know. Let's We're get to uh, Cincinnati. Let's get uh, Jerome uh, in here. Jerome, thanks for waiting, buddy. Welcome into the drive. I thought, what's up? Hey, good afternoon, guys. Um, so, a couple comments that I've got. One is about, uh, I guess, post players in general, and then the other one. It also applies to LLs. Why do we not put our hands up? L on defense never has his hands up. He might be on his guy. He might be right on top of him. Um, but there was a point last night in the game where we had just scored. We decided to pressure the ball on the inbounds pass. L got right in the face of the inbounds man, but never put his hands up. Dude, you're only six foot tall. You're not affecting him just by being in his face. But he looked like he was you know, trying to be intimidating. Put your hands up. Make it difficult to inbound the ball. Don't just stand there. L is a pet peeve of mine this year. I don't feel like he plays defense at all, so he really is discouraging for me on that end. Um, And then our post players, after we pick and we roll to the basket, and they do roll, 
We never throw the ball to the guy when he's rolling. But the guy never, doesn't matter whether it's Curry or J.J. or Hunley Hatfield, nobody raises their hand to make themselves available to even receive a pass from the guard with the ball. Just infuriating with me. Maybe I don't know basketball at all, and you all can tell me why I'm wrong for having those thoughts. I appreciate uh, the call there. I don't think that you're you're necessarily wrong. The the hands up part, almost every former player I've had any interaction with is like, it's almost like they're too cool for school. Yeah, like they don't want to. I've talked about players who don't who are afraid of looking like they're working hard for mm-hmm. some reason. Like, not only am I going to play basketball, but I've got to look cool while I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And to hell with that. Because oh, you know what yeah, doesn't I mean, look cool? Getting driven driven by or having a guy shoot a three right in your face. I think, that, well, defense in general is just not. Sexy. It's not going to be a cool thing yep. most of the time. You know, like the, the effort plays that guys become famous for, um, any attitude you try to bring on defense, just is just, just not going to look. It's not supposed to be pretty. It's not supposed to make a ton of highlight reels in that way. Um, the big man thing is interesting because – I have always said, and this is for the past couple of years, that I just don't think Louisville's bigs have great hands in general. Like, guys just don't grab onto rebounds well. They don't catch Catch ball. ball They don't catch passes cleanly. And I wonder if some of what uh, the caller just referenced comes with, like, a hesitation of, like, look, I could throw you this pass, but are you going to catch it? Are you going to handle it? Like, because if you're going to catch on the roll, you've got to have some pretty good hands because it's not going to be a clean – it's not a guaranteed clean catch. You're probably going to get contact. You're probably already getting contact as you're rolling. So you've got to be able to make a str- clean, strong catch. If you're a guard, do you really trust that? Like if you're Ellis or, or Hersey or you know, insert whatever perimeter guy there. Um, I don't know if that plays into it or not. It's total speculation on my part because um, I'm not a coach, so I can't really break it down. But it is something that pops into my head often. It's like I, I think there's been a lot of plays this year where – if Louisville's bigs had just better hands, it could have been a finish, an and one, uh, you know, just more buckets around the basket in general if guys could be trusted down there. Texture said that uh, Jalen didn't put his hands up on the uh, the inbounds pass with Clark. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought Clark m- more than once just simply fired away when when there was nobody. Yeah, with you know, close and he's a small up. guy. And he's tiny. Too, yeah. Also, I I hate him. He's really good. Yeah, he is. Really good. He's a good player. And, and he he hit some big shots for them last night. And they you know, they, they have that. They have an established way of doing things. Everyone clearly believes in it. They all do it. They play together as a team. Although I would say, I will say, about last night, one of the common consistent complaints I've had all year is that they don't talk. I don't see them talking to each other. Yeah. And I saw... A season's worth of more than they've talked all season. Last night, last yeah. night, like I, I saw it. Like there were, there, I saw Jalen like getting on somebody, you know, on a defensive. Like, and I was like, okay, it's here. It's it's infuriating that it took this long, yeah. but but it is here. And yeah. hot damn, you almost won the game. I saw. I did. Funny see how it. that works. I was actually going to point out that Jalen, after a, I can't remember if it was like a play stoppage timeout inbound or something, but I, I saw him vocally, verbally getting on um, a couple guys for a, a rotation or an assignment. And I'm like, yeah, I think, you know, that's that's what a captain is supposed to be there to do uh, a majority of the time. So I, I do think that's been missing for far too long this year. And we've kind of played this game of, like, you know, what's what's been worse, the defense or the offense for this team. And I, I honestly – <laughs> it's the defense. Yeah. I, I look, both have been really bad. We we can't obviously breaking, but it is the defense. I think they've just given up way too many easy threes, way too many easy buckets around the basket. Uh and, and as we alluded to earlier, they have talent, but it's not the level of talent that maybe Louisville you're used to watching. So if you're gonna be that man, you really do gotta defend relentlessly to have a chance. Texture said, I'm very disturbed Kenny Payne didn't make an example out of someone and send this player packing like Patino did to Carlos Hurt during his first year. And I, I remember very, very firmly Charlie Strong, that initial meeting with the team. You guys got a coach fired. Yeah, I don't, I've, I've never been around guys who do things this way. Carl Del Dunning, you have a 0.0 GPA. Get the hell out of here in front of everybody. Yeah. And he's out. And, and 
typically your new coach comes in and it's it's all law, and then you, you can lighten up a little bit. And I think Kenny will probably one day, especially if he is able to get things turned around starting next year, will probably be able to look back on it and say, was too lax in an effort to be like my mom. Yeah, you know, I, I thought I could, as he said, coach would love, you know, positively sort of move these guys somewhere that they just weren't going to move on their own. Well, I think we've had have to use that stick somewhere. We've had this discussion before about like when you, when you were an assistant, you played probably a much different role as opposed to the the disciplinary arm of a coaching staff is usually a head coach has got to be the one to come down on guys and really make decisions to set standards on things. It's the whole, you know, good cop, bad cop debate that we have. And how much of that is is true when it comes to Kenny and his role with Kentucky if he was a good cop in a lot of those scenarios and now he kind of has to be a bad cop and you you adjust to that. And not only just for Kenny's sake, but who else on the staff uh, balances that for you. If you're more of a bad cop, is somebody else a good cop to be able to keep kids and be like, look, I know he's hard on you right now, but this is why. And you got to do this. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think, you know, not even just Kenny. I think Jeff's had to adjust to that this year without Sam Purcell on, on the women's staff. Because, I, I, like, look, you watch Jeff coach for a game. He, he's, yeah. not, he's not an easy guy to play for. He coaches pretty hard. Um, so it's applicable everywhere, but especially for a first-year head coach trying to figure that stuff out. Uh, and there's no time to, like, you've watched the growing pains, <laughs> pronounced growing pains this season. And nobody wanted that, but it was also something that, like, eh, you probably could have expected some of that in a way. Or you could have seen some of that coming. Maybe you just didn't pay enough attention to it at the time. Uh, I, I think uh, Texas is uh, – Kenny Payne hasn't been in Louisville since 89. He misread the room on how beat up the fan base is when he came back. I do think yeah, – There's probably some truth there's, to that, yeah. there's some truth to that. It, or at least it's, it's capturing an element of this. I do think that Kenny – thought he had like there was not going to be any skepticism about him yeah Yeah. and that basically like people would be like well whatever happens if it goes badly they'll they'll know it's not me and that was never true yeah and i think he's acting that way now and his tone towards fans and, and and fan uh dissatisfaction and that sort of thing has changed and i think the fans by and large have sort of uh relaxed uh, a bit towards him and, and been a little bit more uh, supportive uh, in kind of that unwavering way, too. I mean, last night's crowd, I was afraid there was going to be nobody there. Like 20 minutes before the game, it was very few guys, but there are very few people there uh, in the stands. And the, the crowd last night was excellent. Yeah, no, I, I thought, again, I've, in a season like this where it's caught national attention for how bad Louisville is, historically bad, for, for people to keep showing up and to be engaged – Again, it, Great crowd it, last night. it makes me think, all right, let's see what this thing really looks like if it does get turned around, because I think that will be some fun. All right, we're going to talk with Adam Vrabel uh, on the other side yep. uh, here. Long time first base coach uh, for Louisville. On the other side here, on the drive on the Thunderville, out here at Jim Patterson Stadium. Be right back.